Hello, and welcome to A Damn Podcast, episode 26. I'm Adam Pulcher. I'm Adam Sherlock. This week we are going to... Uh, <laughs> is that like a weird little, like, uh, apprehension? Are you going to talk, or is it me? Go for it. This week we're going to do uh, Robert Rodriguez's Sin City. Also, we're going to continue our film festival with The Wild Bunch. The Wild Bunch. I have my punishment review of Date Movie, <laughs> yeah. and we're going to do our top five gratuitous violent scenes, I guess. That was good. Yeah? That was good. Um, I guess really quick, I'll start off with my movie link. Okay. Last week we did Doctor Strange Love. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me, big burp. Uh, with James Earl Jones. Yes. Who is in Field of Dreams. Okay. Is this okay so far? What's that face for? Oh, we just did that last week. That's yeah, we but can... watch. This is where this is where I'm gonna <laughs> okay. this is where I'm gonna throw it. I'm excited. Okay, so James Earl Jones, who is in Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner. This is why I did this one. This is for you. Who is in The Bodyguard <laughs> with Whitney Houston? Who's in what? Who's in The Preacher's Wife with Denzel Washington? Who's in Man on Fire with uh, Mickey Rourke? Okay. <laughs> Come on, I gotta use both the preacher. I gotta use two fucking Whitney Houston movies in that. That's why I did it that way. Bodyguard. The bodyguard. <laughs> I was reading. I was reading through like an Entertainment Weekly thing, and they were doing a. Uh, what was hot ten years ago? Something <laughs> weird. Something about best-selling soundtracks or whatever, and like, right. and that had that on there, and because. Yeah, and I was like, I saw that, and I was like, the fucking bodyguard. And just the thought of Kevin, like, that's the kind of movie that you make up when you're drinking with your friends. What if there was a movie and it was like Whitney Houston and she's basically playing Whitney Houston, which, you know, hey, now that'd be a stretch for her. I don't think she could do it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and then she's in love with her bodyguard played by Kevin Costner. Kevin Waterworld Costner. (laughs) Fucking amazing. You know you've seen the movie. You know, I think I did, like, uh, I think it was on TV once or something, mm. but it wasn't anything where I went and saw it and anything like that. And actually, okay. You saw it five times in the theater? Yes. No, okay, speaking of, now, I, I mentioned that, and I didn't I didn't mean for it to be a, a segue, but it makes for a good one, the idea of watching a movie on TV or something like that. It doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah, not really. It, it, I mean, it's a deliberate act, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You never how how rarely do you find yourself watching a movie that you had no intention of watching other than being on a fucking airplane? Doesn't really happen, right? Yeah, that's a good point. And if it does happen, if you have on demand or yeah, some shit like that, TiVo or something, you're yeah. gonna get the synopsis bink immediately of blah blah blah. Here's what the movie is, right? Mm-hmm. That's gonna start me off on this little rant here, really quick. Okay, it's 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 short, but I I want to get this out of the way. This week we're doing Sin City. To the people who have a problem with violence and, and chauvinism and the gratuity of sex and, you know, masochistic, like, horrible scenes and hookers with guns and everything else that's in this movie, and you just have a huge problem with it, fuck off, because there's enough other movies with the soft, morally bound, life lesson, terms of endearment-esque, like, pap out there for everybody else. And I was reading some of the reviews online about this movie, and I'm just like, you know, there's all these great reviews, but then there's these other reviews where these people are like, ah, it has no moral center. (laughs) And it's like, that's okay. 
that's okay for a movie to not have a moral center as long as they're taking what they want this movie to be and they execute it correctly. Who, who's going to see the preview for this movie and go, I'm going to watch that. Dude, dude it's my brother-in-law in fucking Tropic Thunder. Yeah. It's that, where it's like, dude, if you knew anything about this movie, if you yeah. had watched one trailer, you'd be like, wow, you know That's what? That's not for me. That's not for me. Yeah. And you can stay away and you don't have to be a fucking pussy about it. <laughs> and I'm just so tired of it. And especially critics, film critics saying this shit, because to me, they it's like... everything. They've, yeah. Well, and not just that, but like, you don't need to see this movie. If you're a critic, you don't you still don't need to see this movie unless you want to say something about it. And in that case, what you should be saying about it is did they execute, you know, did they execute this idea, exhibit A, did they execute that correctly? Did they or didn't they? Not they they cut off heads and blah, like fuck, dude. <laughs> Grow the fuck up. You know, I don't think that as a movie reviewer you can afford to say it's trash, it has more no moral ground, blah blah blah. You should be thinking about did they do this properly? How does how did it all come together as a whole? Yeah. And so just reading about that stuff, it just fucking drove me up the it wall. It surprised me how many people think this movie's kind of garbage. And I'm like, <sighs> wow. Like, I mean, I don't think it's really as much a um, remake of the comic more than just a translation. You know, that's I mean, all it is. Yeah, I it's mean, basically it's, like. It's very, very true to the comic. Well, yeah, because I mean, they took they took the uh, actual comic book and then as just the storyboard. They just used that yeah. as the storyboards. Yeah. And I mean, there's stuff in there that shot for shot. A lot of it actually that's yeah, just definitely. shot for shot for shot. Well, and I I have I own the um, recut extended unrated version that's of this movie. Right. So it's got about 15, 20 minutes. Of that's extra what you were stuff. saying. Now um, it also very cool. Um, they in that edition, they basically cut the four stories up by themselves, and it's in four separate parts. So you can't watch it in a row. You have to. It takes you back to the menu once one's over. So. And, oh really? And you can watch it in order that he wrote them, which is. Can you only watch it? So that's how you watched it. You didn't watch it all the way through as a. Uh, not as um, the stories intermingling. I watch each story separately. Right, because we have. Uh, we have uh, that yellow bastard, which is first. Mm -hmm. Customers always right, which was second. Hard goodbye and the big fat kill. And that order is how he, how he wrote them, I think. Right. Um, and so I watched them in that order. So Robert let's... Rodriguez actually recommends you do that on the actual DVD, mm -hmm. saying this is what it is. And so you can't watch pr press play and hit watch two so hours. You didn't, so you didn't, because in the, in the, in the uh, theatrical version, it's all you have together. the customer is always right, and then you have the first half of that yellow bastard, then the hard goodbye, then the big fat kill, then the second half of that yellow bastard, uh -huh. and then sort of the epilogue, which is sort of part two of the customer is always right that has it's Josh Hartnett in it again. Bookends the movie. Bookends the movie, mm -hmm. and I mean, uh, I, you know, I want to get that out of the way right now because I think, I mean, let's go through it your way. Okay. But I wanted to just mention that that I think that you know, I was thinking about it. and I was like, you know, it's kind of it, it kind of is a pulp fictiony kind of a feel to it oh, um, in the sense of. These are all separate storylines, and we are not using a gimmick of saying, and this guy knows that girl, and she used to work at this guy's place, and so that's why they know they just kind of randomly show up in they, each other's stories. Yeah, they don't beat it over your head. like No, they just sort of connect. randomly, it's you know, like, this world. I, you know, I love that you meet Jessica Alba way before you find out who she is. I love that you meet Clive Owen way before you find out who he mm -hmm. is. We even get, uh, in the middle of uh, uh, The Hard Goodbye, we get 
like it, it's cool. We get like a ten second voiceover of Clive Owen for just a second in the middle of Marv's story. Yeah, in the middle, yeah. And, you know, That's I, great. I, I thought that was great. Especially like, watching them in order, and um, it really it was pretty interesting actually because I was used to it. Um, kind of intertwining and waiting for... I mean, there's still very much real stories. They're not cut Definitely. apart. It's, it's not a, 21 grams where you're like, wait, who's that? Why yeah. is he here? Like, it, it, was pretty, it was pretty cool to watch it separately. And each time one ended, the credits rolled and you had to go back to the menu and start the other right. one kind of thing. So, Which is your favorite story out of the four? I mean, I guess before I say that, let's, uh, for those of, uh, of you that... And first of all, as we always say every week... If you haven't seen Sin City, blah, 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 go fucking see it because we just do spoilers. We don't have a section or anything like that. You just need to go take your shoe off, hit yourself over the head, and then go fucking watch Sin City. Then come back and listen to this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, for those that, of you that aren't as big of nerds as we are, um, The Customer is Always Right is the first section of the movie. Josh Hartnett, he's the assassin. Uh, the second uh, story in the movie is That Yellow Bastard, which is, like we said, spliced inside the movie. Bruce Willis, um, Jessica Alba. Customer Always Right is technically second, though, as far as how it was supposed to be watched. But in the actual movie, in the actual movie, movie yes. it's yeah, right. Right. Okay. Um, the Hard Goodbye is is the the phenomenal section with with Mickey Rourke as as Marv, who's uh, avenging this hooker that that basically he fell in love with because he's kind of unbalanced. Uh, the Big Fat Kill kind of. is Clive Owen. Uh, we have Rosario da- Dawson. Um, Benicio del Toro. Benicio del Toro. Murphy. Yeah, it's that. It's it's that story. So, um, and then the epilogue. Once again, we have Josh Hartnett. So that kind of gives you an idea of all these different things. What was your favorite story? I mean, I think just because of the character is so awesome, it would have to be. It would have to probably be the Big Fat Kill. Um, well. I, I'm sorry. I meant the hard goodbye. Yeah, with well, Mark. one with the one with uh, with, with Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke, and and I do really love the big fat kill. That one's great. That I lo- yeah. I mean, I, I it's like it's you know to use the Spinal Tap reference. I guess I would say that everything in the movie is turned up to ten, but the hard goodbye is like that's cranked up to eleven. Where you're just like, okay, I've seen really cool badasses in movies. I've never fucking seen that well, my what, wife, what he does what mickey rourke does my wife you know when it gets to the point where he's going to see the uh he's going to the church and he kills the priest you know who's uh, frank miller by the way yeah yeah frank yeah miller. yeah that's frank miller. um and she, she he's walking down the stairs and she's like is he supposed to be human like is he the devil <laughs> yeah because he doesn't look like a normal person and he's doing all this fucked up shit yeah um i, I would definitely say that my favorite I think the customer is always right shouldn't have even really been in here at all now here's the interesting thing it, though it was just to me it seemed it, it, I mean I know it tied the movie in front and beginning mm-hmm. and maybe I haven't read um, I, I have all the comics but I, I, I don't I don't know why it's put in there with these other three stories I let wish me, they kind of would have gone through the let three me stories. tell you that one of the things that's 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 truly uh, uh, pretty inspirational though about that scene that I think most people don't know that in an interview Frank Miller basically said you you need to know this um he basically explains Frank Miller explains that the victim in the story so the girl yeah. that Josh Hartnett meets and then talks to and kills she's actually committing suicide 
The unnamed woman had dated a mobster, and when she tried to break it off, he said that he would kill her in the most terrible way possible. She then used her connections to hire a hitman known as the Salesman, so that's who Josh Hartnett is in, in this, uh, to provide her with a quick death. And that's why he says to her, you know, I know you're going through something and you don't want to go through it alone. And she looks at him and she's like, no, I don't want to go through it alone. And then he tells her it'll be okay, and then he shoots her. And, and then he says, and this is why he says this. After that, his voiceover says, I'll cash her check in the morning. So she fucking paid him to show up at that party huh. and execute her. And, like, once you know that, because I always thought that, too. I was like, it's way weak. Once I knew that, I was like, when I watched it again, I was like, oh, my God. That's, if yeah, you but- would, if they could tell, if they would have. I mean, yeah, it would have been too I, complex, but if there could have been a way... I guess like 80%, probably more than that, of the audience doesn't know that. No, you know? And they it, don't. And, it, that's, and that's why it seems like a waste to me. And totally. And I, 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 I would otherwise with agree with you. it only being less than five minutes... I mean, I guess the other, the other reason that I would say that they used it is for a sentimental purpose, that the reason why this movie even happened, uh, the reason why Frank Miller agreed to do it, the reason why Bruce Willis and all these other big names are in it is that they hired that actress and Josh Hartnett to do that scene, and then they finished it. I mean, it it looked exactly like it looks in the movie, and that's what they that's what that's Rodriguez I, I took do, I do remember to Frank that. Miller and was like, "See, I won't ruin it. Like, yeah. I'll totally make it the way that you want to." It and really when he doesn't. saw that, you know, that was what changed everything. So, I mean, in that sense, I can understand why they would leave it in the movie. Sure. Yeah. But I agree, and actually, one that was another great story that I had heard is that they, when they were pitching it to Bruce Willis, um, you know, he went to where they were uh, doing the little uh, viewing, and they showed him the same thing, and he sat down, and it started, and he like, you know, Josh Hartnett comes out and lights her cigarette, and you see her eyes turn green and all that, yeah. and Bruce Willis stood up and turned around, like in the little viewing theater, and was like, "Shut it off, shut it off," and they turn it off, and they're like, "What's wrong? What what is it?" He goes. I just want to sign whatever I have to sign right now <laughs> to make sure I'm a part of this movie before I... I want to watch it. I just... Let me sign it now so that, like, you know, you're not on the phone with somebody That's else great. while I'm watching it. Because I've never seen it's anything truly like truly just... This movie is all style. I mean, the whole thing... It is, just is. It's, uh, it's one of the great things Roger Ebert said about it. He said, uh, when, a, when, a, a, when a hard-boiled detective novel... Or he said, if a hard-boiled... I might be misquoting. I think this is what he said. Uh, If a hard-boiled detective novel and a film noir uh, movie had sex and had a child, when that child goes to sleep, Sin City is what it dreams about. (laughs) That's what Uh, his dreams look like. And I was like, that's that's the perfect... I mean, it's a silly idea, but that's how fucking over-the-top it is, is that it's like... That it just the way it's, that it looks is insane. Oh, uh, it's it's completely original, and of course you got to give most of that credit to Frank Miller. But the transition is really just well, brought think, to screen. I remember watching the trailer for this, going, my jaw was on the floor, going, "That's the coolest trailer I've ever seen in my life." Oh, like, same I here. I want to see that movie right now. Well, and being and and you and know it, and, being pretty familiar with the books and them and them being a being pretty big and. And really, one of the other things, too, is that the, the books are always known for being so unrelenting. I mean, it was like, you know, there was, there's like the DC and Marvel comic stuff, and then there's like the Vertigo stuff that's for like graphic novels for adults, you know, like the yeah. Sandman comics yeah. and, and uh, you know, Watchmen and things like that. And then, like, stepping way over the fence, you have the Sin City stuff, because it was like nobody had fucking... 
And it was it was mainly Miller just being so disillusioned with, because uh, he was trying to push the boundaries of the uh, um, American Comics Code, you know, which says like you can't do this, you can't swear, you can't have violence, you can't have nudity. Like these are for kids. And him going, well, I don't care. Like I want to tell these stories. I'm not a kid, you know. I want to tell these stories and dealing with that because he's the one who transformed uh, both. I mean, his version of Batman is what's influenced the Dark Knight. You know, yeah. I mean, all of, all of his Batman books. Before that, uh, uh, Elektra and the Daredevil books. Like, he basically had a whole franchise with that. And when we want to start telling darker stories, they basically were like, well, you can either do it our way or you can leave because you you can't sell comics like that. There is not a wide enough audience. <laughs> we kind of fucking showed them, right? For like, sure, I yeah. mean, and so, uh, you know, going back and seeing that... Uh, uh, trailer for the first time it was just like knowing those things and seeing like god it looks exactly like it well and the shadows and the contrast is just really just they really obviously emphasize on that a lot and i love the use of color sometimes blood is white sometimes it's red mm -hmm. like it kind of depends on what they're telling sometimes you, you just see a silhouette sometimes a silhouette is uh an actual filmed silhouette yeah. and sometimes it's that weird rotoscope yeah, uh, looking great. you know yeah. it's so cool man I think you know I, I think a, a lot of the credit has to go to Rodriguez too for Definitely. having a vision and sticking with it you know and this movie has guest director by Quentin Tarantino and then is directed jointly by Frank Miller and, and Robert Rodriguez and you know the that's a that's like a ridiculous amount of directors. They don't do that for movies that have a film budget of and forty honestly, million dollars. You, you can't really tell. I don't think what's I mean, what. Yeah, where I mean, it's, they're obviously staying true to Miller's story. I I know the Quentin Tarantino part was the uh, like the scene. Uh, I think it's it's the uh, scene in the car in the with car. Jackie Boy yeah. where he has the half of the gun yeah, through his head. That's great. One of my favorite yeah, scenes. Yeah, it's actually. definitely great. The um, the narration. I know a lot of it is. Is um, is Miller uh, Frank Miller just you know that's how comics are you know mm -hmm. that it's people thinking but it's that. also that noir thing you know For I sure. mean I think that I mean it's noir poetry pretty much if you oh think and about it's it. it's you know and like and, uh, and, and like Mickey Rourke's uh, oh, yeah. I mean his his pieces that uh, of his narration I mean oh. some of it's laugh out loud because it's my mitts. so <laughs> yeah Gladys in my mitts in my you mitts. know and he's got just <laughs> like barrel chested cigar chomping like Rah! Um, the one thing, before we get too into that, the one thing I was going to say about the directing thing that I just, you know, Robert Rodriguez is one of these, and I, I, I hate using terms like film auteur, like, you know, he's, he's an artist, he's a renaissance man. The motherfucker is, man. He edits, directs, writes screenplays, yeah. writes the soundtracks for his movies, and he does all of it, and he, and then all he, and then he doesn't have his name all over the place. He just has all, always says the same thing ever since, uh, ever since, uh, uh, Desperado. It's always said the same thing. It just says, uh, 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 no, it says shot and cut shot and cut by Robert Rodriguez. Like uh, he, he doesn't take, he has his studio and his editing, everything. It's right across the street from his house and he won't work anywhere else. Cause he says, fuck Hollywood. And well, and that's, uh, here's a great example of his fuck Hollywood with, with him, uh, directing this with Frank Miller. Um, Miller had, had never directed any movie before. And since he was so involved in it, uh, they were both there every day working on it together uh, and Frank Miller having all this input and helping direct every scene that Rodriguez was like, dude, I want to put you on as directing this with me. And Frank Miller was like, dude, I don't direct movies. I'm just, I'm just here to help, you know? And he's like, I wouldn't feel right about it. I'm going to let him make him. Yeah. Well, and here's the crazy part. He went to the uh, um, director's guild 
that he's, you know, the, the, the union, the Directors Guild of America, yeah. who has said, this is what I'm going to do. And they said, well, you can't because he's not a film director, so he can't take credit for it. So it just has to be you. He's like, well, he helped direct it with me. And they were like, sorry, you can't. And so he quit the, the, the Film Directors Guild. He quit. He quit. He was like, "Oh, go fuck you, go fuck yourself," then, <laughs> and left just so he could put both of their names on the directing cool. thing. And you just go, "That's like, like what? A, an what an awesome guy! Like just you know, like to, sure. to to go to those lengths just to be like, this has to be this one way." And I just think that that's really cool because he wanted to give him credit. His you know? only downfall for me is Spy Kids. <laughs> you know, and I, I get that. At the same time, I also think that the reason why he did that, uh, like, because the Spy Kids, Kids know, movies and, like, that Lava Girl and Shark Boy or but whatever. I guess, I, just artistically, horrible. Yeah, no, is, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure you haven't seen them. But I've seen enough of the trailers oh, and bits or whatever. I, and I've I had to watch these movies, and they are painful to sit through. They're not. There's not even a bit of, like, camp or anything that right. is like, oh, well... You know, it's still Robert Rodriguez. That's cool. It's yeah. like hard to watch. I need to turn it off. Like, sorry, Caden, we're not gonna. Watch we're not this gonna today. watch this today. It's bad. Yeah. Um, getting back to the narration, the only um, the only narration I could uh, kind of do without was Bruce Willis's a little bit. I, I think the reason why is because I like um, his story. Probably could have gone a, pretty much the same way. For me, anyways, without narration, because I, I guess I just like uh, them showing me things rather than telling me things. But I understand it adds to the noir feel of everything, especially him because he's like stupid old man and blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, the last stuff. day of the job. You know, and yeah. I completely understand that. I mean, that's to the script of the comic book and everything. Right. But as far as an actual movie, not thinking of the comic book. Um, they could have told the story without narration for his part anyway. I think. see, and I guess, and I, I guess I don't dislike uh, uh, Bruce Willis's narration. The only thing that I would say about it, it, it in a crit critique is that, and this is kind of one of those things that's weird because both his character and the character of Marv, played by Mickey uh, Mickey Rourke, um, both of them, even though Sin City was never optioned as a movie before when he was writing it or anything like that, when he wrote those characters, he wrote them thinking that that was those guys playing them. I mean, Hardigan was like, it was just Bruce Willis. It was like, sure. he wrote it as if, like, the, you know, he said that when he wrote down his dialogue when he was doing the comics, that was just the voice he heard in his head. I mean, and I mean, works. it's so, and, but I mean, in its own way, and maybe it's just because Bruce Willis is such a saturated actor. We see him everywhere. Every year we see him doing something. After so many Die Hard movies and, yeah. and all of this, that him doing the voiceover doesn't get me in any way, in any way at all, the way that uh, Mickey Rourke's does and Clive yeah. Owens do. I think that's... Those are so... Watching it this time again... It, it, it just seems a little tired. Less effective, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Although, the one thing I did like about it was it was great hearing him... Uh, it's great hearing him, and not just him, but all these actors, but I guess Bruce Willis is one of the ones in particular because we see so much of him, we kind of feel like we know him. Like, we know him oh, as an yeah. actor a little bit. And uh, so to see him hamming it up so much, like, I got a bum ticker. Like no, here, that's Michael with these Madsen great, actually says that. Oh, I guess he says that, but what's the one that he says? He says something. He has some line about his heart or, like, yeah. some just goofy, off-the-wall line. Michael Madsen kind of anno annoyed me in this movie. I don't know. It's not really uh, his lines. It's more the way he delivered them. I was just like, huh? And apparently... I, I agree, he, but... He got the part... After, like, everything was cast, or, or basically most of the movie was cast, they went to a Kill Bill 2, like, 
party. Uh-huh. Robert Rodriguez and Michael Madsen were there, and he's like, so why aren't I in the cast of Sin City yet? And he's like, <laughs> he just gave him the one part that hadn't been cast yet. He like showed up for like a day, but but he just he's just cheesy and and, I, and I don't know and I here. well and that's what I was gonna say is I don't know I, I know what you mean and I felt the same way and if it had been somebody else yeah exactly it's, it's if okay I'll even say this if it had been somebody else and everything about the performance down to the way that he looked looked exactly the same as it does in that movie but it wasn't Michael Madsen it would have been yeah. I w- I would have just giggled and been like who the fuck was that guy but since it is Michael Madsen yeah. and he's like so fucking incredible in all these other movies yeah. that to see him doing got a bum ticker right? yeah yeah like go home your wife's waiting for you it's just like yeah. I don't know why it didn't work with him because it works okay on the flip side of that let's talk about Brittany fucking Murphy for a minute mm-hmm. God damn it, it is so cool to see all these actors just swinging for the fences. I mean, they are going for it. And her performance never fails to make me just like, yeah! Like, it's so fucking, I, I, I think love it, She's man. kind of got some of those cheesy lines, though. She totally does, but she doesn't, she does a fucking great job. That, you fucking bastard, you yeah. goddamn coward. <laughs> and she has that accent, yeah. and it's... And, and then where she's looking out the window, she's like, you that, fool, you damn fool. I love it. I fucking love it. kind of comes and goes a little bit, I think. I love it. <laughs> I, it's so cheesy. It's so fucking over the, the top. The women in this movie are so incredibly, amazingly hot. Like It's I, it's <laughs> it's like, I don't know what it is. Dude, Robert Rod, I mean, just to, just to be uh, uh, mildly chauvinistic for two seconds, Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino consistently hands down have the hottest fucking like they just they understand like nah man fuck the fuck the supermodels like here here's the here's the kind of girls that guys like to look at and they always like like kind of kind of big butts or like thick legs or it's like the way that it but they're like comic book girls i I could watch you know what i mean like kind of a beer belly like there's just something like holy fuck like what are they doing i could watch jessica alba dance on stage for at least 20 minutes i completely agree i completely (laughs) agree that's a minimum 20 minutes yeah and the volume can be higher than two it doesn't matter no it's fine (laughs) because the music's pretty fucking cool um some of the added stuff in the recut extended whatever version of it um the um uh, some of it shows Bruce Willis uh, actually going to court and getting out of jail and his lawyer coming, which is actually the same uh, lawyer for Marv, the really hot, again, lesbian lady. Oh, her! She comes and bails him out. Wow. And, oh, okay, uh, one more link. And, 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 another, and another one, this is a great, I don't know why they didn't put it in there, is Marv's story. He actually goes to his mother's house, and uh, his mother's blind. And she's like, uh, she's like feeling his face, and he's got all those, all that tape on his face. And she's like, "Oh, what happened to your face, honey?" And he's like, "Oh, I cut my, I cut myself shaving, ma, or whatever." Oh, it's just funny. Really cool. There, there. You know, some of it I could see, and some of it I didn't really even notice. I'd say I probably noticed five of the fifteen or twenty minutes that were thrown no in shit. there. No shit. You can't. Yeah, and I, I guess that's a good thing because it flowed fine. I didn't notice it. Right, right. Some of the things I did like, like stuff, like stuff cut for time more than content. Probably. I have a question for you though. On okay. the um, that yellow bastard, is there a reason why he stinks so bad? Like why he can't get the stink off of him and his blood stinks and he. It's like stinks. it's it's like. It, it, it's like the it's a preservative. It's the same thing that that because made, of that, its operation that like made that inked him yellow. It's like it's all uh, it's they had him some uh, hooked up to some kind of like machine that that basically kept him alive. 
The uh, I love Powers Booth in this movie. He's, oh god, he's only in it for a couple minutes, but man, he's he so is, good, man. Yeah, I mean, everyone is brutal. I love the fact that the the main protagonist. I guess no one's really a protagonist in this movie, right? But, but the uh, the main guys that you're following the story, Marv, uh, Bruce Willis's character. They just Hardigan. get the yeah. fucking shit beat out of them completely. Yeah. Like yeah. Bruce Willis gets shot at least ten times yeah. in the first scene. Yep. Uh, Marv gets you know run over by cars multiple times. Just and I love how Marv just keeps waking. He's like, "You bastards!" And yeah. After he it's gets so killed, fucking <laughs> stupid. Yeah. He's yeah, just like he's like fucking kill me already. I love that. Yeah. Let's get let's get on with it, pansies. I ain't got all day. <laughs> That's great. How, I have something for you. All right. We have. Two of the hobbits from the Shire in this movie, and they're both bloodthirsty killers. How the fuck does that work? <laughs> That's true, right? We have we have uh, we obviously Elijah have Frodo Wood. Baggins, we have yeah. Elijah Woods, and then I don't know the actor's la- name, but uh, later with the Irish terrorists, he's uh, um, uh, Pippin. Oh really? Yeah, is the the long with the long curly yeah, hair? Yeah. I mean, he goes Where's out he? very fur. Oh, like okay. he he goes out. Um, I didn't even notice that. He's the one that gets, uh, he gets shot right away. He's the one that finds the badge that has the bullet through it. And they, that's when they realize that I they haven't, that they that haven't him. killed, uh, Dwight. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, but yeah, we have two, like, why, how the fuck is Frodo Baggins so goddamn scary? Love, he's terrifying. He's like, awesome. he's, you're just like, oh my God. I love that he wears Chuck Taylors. Dude, that whole scene <laughs> on the farm, I never thought that watching Mickey Rourke kill a group of cops with a hatchet could ever make me giggle so hard. <laughs> okay. It's fucking great, man. I, I just I, love the whole, the whole, uh, uh, I ever written down it, like the strange ethics of the hard boiled 1950s style hero. You know, it's like, it, it is. So much of the like talking about dames and all that is totally forgivable because it's just it's this arcane uh like archetype that we don't fucking see anymore. Like where Marv's tied to the chair and you know, she's slapping him around, puts the gun to his face and then doesn't kill him and he's like, I'm glad we got that over with and just stands up. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, You mean you just sat there and took it? And he's like, Oh, I probably could have wrestled that gun away from you a bit, and I probably would have had to paste you one, and I don't hit girls. Yeah. And you're just like, God, that's fucking great, he plays man. plays it just unbelievable. Yeah, and I mean, you know, all the all the hardcore talk, oh, it's fucking poetry. He's it is just poetry. And, uh, but you know, all the hard talk stuff is really cool, but then the little moments are are even cooler, where it's just like, like just like what, uh, 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 Clive Owen's character says about him, like, he'd be right at home on some battlefield swinging an axe into some yeah. guy's skull. They they would throw him girls like Jessica Alba, you know? And it's like, but you get these little moments of how he, he even feels like he's not in the real world anymore. And that, where he says, uh, he has the great line where he's like, uh, yeah, I got his I got his Mercedes, or at least what they're patting him off as a Mercedes these days. Uh Cars these days look like uh, electric shavers to me. Yeah, all the cars these days they just look like electric shavers. I'm like, that's such a great like another another forgivable, forgivable. <laughs> yeah, forgivable. I, I'm gonna make a greatest hits compilation. Of, oh man, not just yours but mine too. Because dude, I was listening to I think it was four episodes ago, and you do say director's cut. <laughs> it, it is, dude. I was like, I just kept listening to it over and over. I'm like, that's what it says. I, that would be a good little clip thing to throw in there. Dude, yeah. When we hit episode 50, we'll do a clip show. I like it. <laughs> like fucking Facts of Life or some shit. The uh, Forgivable? Forgivable. Yes. One of the forgivable plot points that um, doesn't matter because it's, it is uh, 
the just the whole Goldie Marv thing. Where I guess I just kind of wanted more of a relationship or more of a reason for him to go after all this. And then the forgivable part is one of the girls, her twin sister, asks asks him. She's like, "Why are you doing this for somebody that you you hardly you ever don't even you knew. barely even know?" And he's like, "She made me feel you know, something happy, I never even yeah, knew that I had." Or whatever, yeah, you know. And well, and that's and I think that that's I to me. I mean, I understand what you're saying as far as a. Uh, plot points going and not doing that but i think the thing of it that i like about that even is that that is all that that is all that it was is that she slept with him Mm -hmm. and that he's fucking crazy and that they just picked the wrong fucking guy and so it isn't like like, it isn't like that he was a normal guy and they killed his one true love it's that like she was kind of nice to him and they killed her and he's just like there it is. I needed that thing, well, it's and like I got just, it. You know, he didn't have anything else to do. One thing I say, uh, I'll say before we close out. I I hope, and it and it kind of has already started, um, is a trend of people, and I guess they're all Frank Miller movies, but the style of movies. Oh, like three hundred. Three hundred, which is also and Frank the, Miller. The, the spirit. Which, yeah, it, and Zack Snyder. I think I think that movie is very cool. I think yeah, it's done yeah, really cool. I totally think and, so. And I I just hope it doesn't become kind of a faux pas thing where. You just see a preview and you're just like, ah, oh, because, you know, I got so excited when I saw um, the preview for this. I hope I'm continually excited for this style of movie. I hope it doesn't get old, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can understand that. You know, I, I just hope they don't overdo it and just do way too minis with too many right, things with just right. nothing but green screen. It looks cool. The music's awesome. The trailers are awesome. The actor's awesome. Cool story, you know, just the whole Frank Miller. Well, you know, style. another another great example, you know, and, and not that I, and we talked about this movie before, and I didn't dislike this movie. I liked it, um, the uh, Sky Captain in the in the World of Tomorrow. Uh-huh. I liked that movie, mm-hmm. and I thought the visuals were really cool. Yeah, very cool. But I mean, it was not tangible at all. I mean, it looked like these actors are I mean not that it looked fake but it just did not it, they it didn't match up the way that it probably should have yeah you know what I mean it looked fuzzy and and that's uh, one of those you know. all green screen movies yeah exactly and that's what I'm saying is I think that if you've got the right guys doing it you know like like we've said before there's there you can go out and watch movies that have genital mutilations and castrations and hookers with guns and guys getting the tops of their heads cut off and everything else, you can go watch that in a lot of different movies. Are you going to see it in a movie that's going to make you feel this way? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. You could use those special effects for the green screen and doing all the, you know, it's only two-tone or maybe three colors or whatever. You could do that, but is is it going to translate as well as this did? And it's like, I think it's a really powerful tool and if if it's in the wrong hands, it just doesn't fucking it doesn't work. Cool, you know. All right, well, uh, let's go ahead. Are you, do you have anything else or? Um, I don't think so, man. All right, well, let's listen to a song, "Turbulence" by the band Passages. All right.
Okay, welcome back to a damn podcast from Salt Lake City. I am Adam Pulcher. That is Adam Sherlock. Yep, I'm right here. Um, I unfortunately got to watch Date Movie this week, um, as far as my punishment view. Uh Um, So I have five things I learned from Date Movie. Oh, good. Okay. Okay, um, you know, it's a spoof movie of Date Movies, of course. Um, Made by two of the guys that brought you... Uh, yeah. a scary movie. Now, I, I, well, I'll get into it. Okay. Let me uh, let me go ahead and start off. Um, number one, um, Eddie Griffin has never really had a career. I, <laughs> I think. He doesn't really count as an actor. No, he doesn't. He is basically always the same guy. Always the same Eddie guy. Eddie Griffin in a movie. Yeah, and I don't think he's done anything. Like, I, don't, I can't think of it. I don't know, nothing, like, I, I don't want to say reputable, but I mean... Yeah, no. <laughs> just like, where do the, I don't know, he's just like, he's tired, is what I'm saying. I'm like, yeah, this guy, that way fucking tired. he will fall off the map quickly and get into drugs or something. So. <laughs> um, second, physical comedy doesn't really do it for me anymore. I don't know why. And I don't, I don't think, and it's not necessarily physical comedy, but it's the way that these movies present the physical comedy. Right. You know, they really, uh, another thing I have here is they really embrace and endorse the reality TV, MTV kind of um, culture, you know, which I despise. <laughs> oh, they to- it totally and, does, and yeah. And they fucking just beat it with a stick. And yep. it's just, ugh. You know, like, oh, I don't know. And, and, and the thing <laughs> is, ugh, these movies, like, like, my last thing here I have... I have a couple more things, but one of the things I have here is the best parts about airplane and blades and saddles and space balls. Like these people can take uh, you know some notes from Mel Brooks or something. They need yeah. to because they they're their own movies. They have kind of their own stories, even though they're obviously ripping off subtly ripping ripping off you know westerns or Star, Star Wars, Wars or something or, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They. Um, you know they they subtly do that here they just just completely um, just oh just blatantly rip these things off like Meet the Parents was only funny once like, yeah you know I'm sorry I, I mean it's a good movie or whatever but having Eddie Griffin be Robert De Niro and having the cat instead of uh, you know knowing oh, how to God. use the toilet oh. uh, he he takes a huge shit for like five minutes well it's one knows. of those it's one of those things I mean I don't, I don't mean to I, I just, this is the one thing because I was sure, talking no. about the other day with somebody is I would love to go back 15 years from now and watch these movies that they made because they parody everything that comes down the pike because there's everything. this lowest common denominator and like I exactly. saw I saw like a minute or two of like epic movie like a this was like I saw it like a couple weeks ago. This minute or two of that, and they made that movie like I don't know two years ago or something. Yeah, only two years ago. But yeah. there's some guy, some like kind of overweight guy with curly hair and a mustache, running around in these spandex shorts and talking with this really weird accent. And I was like, "What the fuck is that supposed to be?" And like I seriously, over the two minutes, I was like, "I don't. What is that funny? Like there isn't. I don't even get what that. It's just strange, you know." And then it occurred to me. It's supposed to be Jack Black from Nacho Libre. And I'm like, you parodied Nacho Libre? Like, that movie itself was a blip on the fucking screen. That's the thing. They parody stuff that you're just, that really was like, really? Yeah. Why did you even do that? Yeah, I don't know. And the thing is, these movies, they don't, 
And I, and I get, I know these Punisher reviews are supposed to be funny, but this movie just kind of pissed me it off. Made you <laughs> angry enough that it can't even be. But it, the thing is, like with space holes and stuff like that, they 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 rip off the character or or, or an idea of the character right. or whatever. Here they they quote word for word yeah. Napoleon Dynamite and yeah. stuff like that, and it's just like I've already seen Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. I don't fucking need to see some guy I've never seen replay it when it's not even funny. You and know, not to mention, like, Napoleon Dynamite's a funny, cool movie. Like, yeah. like don't... <laughs> you don't make fun of the cool kid in class, because that's why they're the cool kid. I don't know. It, it Obviously, <laughs> they bank on animals doing abnormal things, human things, like shitting. A cat was shitting in this movie. Right. And honestly, really, compared to some of the other movies, this really wasn't that... This really wasn't that horrible movie. I could sit through it. I chuckled once or twice. You know, it wasn't the... The worst thing ever. It's just this whole genre, and it doesn't seem to be stopping. The only part of that movie I saw was the the uh, the, the milkshake song thing. The with the fat girl dancing or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and that's the girl from American Pie or whatever, and she's one of the main ones. Yeah, Allison Hannigan could yeah. really use Buffy the Vampire Slayer to come back on oh, the air. Well, and and <laughs> that scene where she's like dancing when she's all fat, it goes on forever. Ever, forever. And that's the only part I've seen was that part, and I was just like. Not to mention, like, I'm sorry, but if you have a girl that comes in that looks like Jessica Simpson and she says something that Jessica Simpson would say and then she gets hit by a car, that's not a send-up. <laughs> yeah. That's not a parody. Yeah. So, like, that's... <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, obviously... We you you, you just seem more sad than anything. I'm just like, I just don't know. You just seem like it really just, like, wasn't even... No, well, I, I, you're always so much more creative when it comes to these punishment reviews <laughs> and... I just ended up just that's not ruining the moment. Um, the, no, that's I like that it upset you that much. So, um, what I'm going to assign you as your punishment review. Okay, okay. Um, and this was a recommendation from Nicole Dumas. Mm. Um, the, uh, okay. We're going to go ahead and have you watch um, Lost Boys of the Tribe and give us a nice... The new one? The new one. Because she said, she said, if you are a Lost Boys fan, it is absolutely... Terrible. He's, she says it is so hard to watch. So I've the only thing that'll save me for it is, is if there's still that really big greased up uh, homoerotic bodybuilder in the purple spandex playing the saxophone. <laughs> sax. Oh, I love that. If he's in that, I'm gonna give that movie a good review. If I, he's not, I, I all right. highly doubt it. But apparently, you know how old that guy probably is now. <laughs> so it could be him, maybe. Yeah, and that would be awesome. But the uh, apparently it's really, really rough to watch. And the Corys are in it. Both of them, yeah. yeah. We talked about that. But uh, she said, uh, she she mentioned it, and I was like, well, I think I may punish it. And, you know, it, it All could, right. It's, you know, it's it's not the worst thing ever, I'm sure, but I, I'm interested to That's, see. You know, the one thing I've realized with the punishment reviews is that it's, it's if it's something, because I felt the same way about watching Delta Farce. Yeah. It's like, it was so, so bad that it wasn't like it's bad and that made it good again so it's funny and we can talk kind about of, it. It's like the It's like it goes so far no, down it, into it, the fucking the budget, gutter. The no budget restraints are it doesn't matter how Yeah, that it's just like it gets to this point where you're like there's no redeeming quality to exactly. this at all yeah. and I can't even talk about it in a way that would be funny. <laughs> right? It's not Santa with muscles. It's like it's just it's nothing. Exactly. Yeah, it's just fucking horrid. So I guess that's the point of the punishment review. Well, it is and it isn't, because we should at least be able to talk about it. I mean, that's when you truly know that it has no redeeming quality whatsoever, <laughs> is when you're like, really? Kind of can't even make fun of Why it. Why are we even talking yeah, about this? Yeah, sorry. 
All right, well, let's Shit. go ahead and get into our is it third installment of the our third film installment West- of our film festival of uh, the Wild Bunch. The Wild Bunch, nineteen sixty nine. Okay, interestingly enough, nineteen sixty nine, same year. Butch, Butch Cassidy. Cassidy. Yep, I did. I so did I mean, I don't. That. I mean, I don't want to necessarily use one as the litmus test for the other, but it might come up. We might uh, mention this. Sam Peckinpah directed. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who did. Um, oh, what did he do? He did like. Uh, Straw Dogs. Um, oh, he no did, shit. He did a couple other things. I can't remember off the top of my head. I didn't know he did Straw Dogs. Yeah, he did. Wow, your your dad's favorite movie. It is my dad's favorite movie. He loves that movie. That's right. Um, the, we'll um, end up doing that one one of these days. Um, you know, um, Willem, Willem Holden, Ernest Borgnine, Robert Ryan. Ernest Borgnine's really the only one I recognize. Yeah, um, really same here. I, I don't really know. What a goofy-looking bastard. Dude, he looks, <laughs> he looks like Hubie related to my last boss. Mike, that guy, the guy that I remodeled houses for, it's there. There's moments it's fucking uncanny. <laughs> they look like each other. Wow. I mean, I mean, he's he's a, a my my former employer is a significantly better looking guy, but they do look like so, to be like his dad or so, something. Since you brought up Butch Cassidy, how would what would you how would you compare this movie? Well, considering the fact that there was a lot of stuff that I liked in Butch Cassidy. And there were some things, some reservations I had with Butch Cassidy that I felt, mm-hmm. and I know you agree with me on this one, the moments that that were not good in Butch Cassidy were poor enough that they hurt the overall movie. Mm-hmm. By comparison, I don't know that I have a single complaint about this movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> this movie kicks so much fucking ass. It was really I, awesome. I, 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 it... You know, the movie started out, and there's that really cool, the music's really cool and weird, like, mm-hmm. it, it sort of has a spaghetti western-ish kind of a sound to it, you know, um, but then at the same time, it's doing those really weird stills, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and, and uh, as, they're, as they're going by, and they're all dressed in the soldier outfits, and, and I won't lie, I didn't know anything about this. Yeah, me neither. And so you're just watching them, you know, go by. And then it shows those kids, and they're fucking. Uh, they've got the scorpions in the in like mm-hmm. the ant hill. Yeah, it's just like the most gnarly fucking thing. And and uh, and then you know you see them. And I'm like, so they're soldiers. They're like you know they're they're from the army or mm-hmm. whatever. And then they go into the bank, and then all of a sudden they whip out guns and they start pistol whipping people and screaming and like yep. instantly this movie just like I was like whoa what the fuck and within the next like minute. There is this like massive fucking massacre, just like and violent. Like I was like, oh my god! Like what they fucking shot that guy? Like sixty nine, yeah. And the thing it, is, it, it doesn't is. even match the massacre at the end. Like <laughs> no, 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 they don't even fucking compare. But when you first see that first one, you're like, and the other thing, like there's some great bits of humor, just even at the very beginning where the guy is like. The preacher's like, he's got all the people sitting down. He's like, now repeat after me. There will be no drinking. There will be no fornicating. There will be no blah, blah, blah. And he says all this stuff. He's like, now repeat it. And they all go, <laughs> and like they kind of don't know all the shit that he just said. That made me fucking yeah, laugh. I, like, I, you know, I have a lot to say about this movie. I've got pages of notes, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, same here, man. But the, uh, Let's go through it really quick. So, um, And once again, as we always say, Go watch the Wild Bunch. Um, it it this is seriously a fucking amazing movie. Like I'm so excited to yeah. talk about this. I I'm I'm gonna go buy it because I couldn't believe how much I liked it. Um, the uh, well, do you yeah, want to do a little uh, synopsis? Oh yeah, or? go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, so this is the one. This is from uh, IMDb. Um, this one looks pretty good. We've got uh, 
A few months before World War I, an aging band of outlaws led by Pike Bishop rob a Texas bank intent on using the money to retire. When the robbery goes wrong, the, bank, the gang is forced to flee to Mexico with Bishop's reformed ex-partner, Deke Thornton, in hot pursuit. With nothing to show for the failed robbery, Bishop's gang agrees to steal a shipment of guns for General Mapache uh, Huerta to restore their fortunes. With Thornton closing in and their associates with the evil Huerta trying, trying their conscience, Bishop and company prepare for their lawless past to catch up with them. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good uh, assessment. Um, I'm sure. And at first, this movie, I, I was, you know, it, sometimes with uh, Westerns, it kind of takes me a minute to get into same it. Same here, because I never really watched him as kids. Like, yeah. I didn't really, I don't have a whole lot of history with, with watching yeah, him. And so neither. I do the same thing where I'm like, this is going to be boring. Yeah, kind of. Like, I all, every By the time, end of this movie, I'm, I was just like, Yes. It's just fuck, one yes. thing after another. There are so many holy fuck moments in this movie yeah. where like something happens that you thought there was no fucking way it was going to happen and and like just phenomenal, man. You know something I, I noticed and, and and maybe like you said just because I don't have a huge history of watching westerns, the uh every western movie there's somebody being chased. I mean, it, it's like that's like part of the Western movie. You can't have Western movie without somebody. Yeah, somebody being, being run out of town, and, and then they have to go here without having somebody, a robber. Yeah, or without having uh, obviously gunfights. Now the cool like, kind of flip flop on this one is that the guy that's chasing him is his old partner is is, is Pike's uh, old partner uh, Deke Thornton. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you get some good flashbacks of like when they were together and 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 uh, and, and to doing me, jobs to me, together before that, he went that to jail. Whole backstory was great until the end it kind of fell short for me because i i mean, i hate to jump to the end right now but um that was part of the story where you're the whole time they they chase them through the whole movie and then they don't even catch up with them they don't have any confrontation at all or anything and 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 at the end it was just like well, see, but why, I get. Why did they even have that part in the movie? God, see, but I totally get it, man. See, I, it's one I of my favorite it. things about. It. I mean, okay, if you think about it this way, you've got this band of outlaws, and they're getting long in the tooth, man. They're fucking old, and like they're they're you know their last bank robbery, and they get all the bags of coins, and then when they finally check them, they're full of fucking washers, like yeah, yeah. you know, like there's no fucking money. I love how the dudes like. Are they sil- silver discs? And he's yeah. like, no, they're washers. They're, yeah, you know, that's great. Uh, they're bolt washers. I love that. But you know, so obviously they're starting to realize that they're they're living in this world that kind of doesn't need them anymore. You know, like they're they they're, they're uh, from the past generation and they want to do this one last score. And you know, they're always talking about how it's about the job. It's about the job. And you know, when uh, the early scene in the movie, the guy gets uh, shot and they're riding back and yeah. then he falls. You know, and, and he's like, well, you want to have a big ceremony for him? Like, he's dead, you know? You want to sit here and bury him? You'll be dead, too. Kind of like, we don't care about that. And I think the entire movie is this idea of, okay, it really is the end of the road. What are you going to do? What matters? Does it matter to do one last big score and and go move off to some fantasy land that doesn't really exist? Like, mm-hmm. you know, or... And they all or, want that, of course. They all yeah. want it, they, or they think they do, and I think... Th- 
as the movie goes on, the whole storyline with Angel, the one younger uh, uh, the old, uh, the wrestler that's with him, the, the, the Mexican kid. Oh, okay. Yeah. Angel. Yeah, where yeah. they go to his hometown, you know, and they see his family there, yeah. and they're like... He was one of my favorites. Oh, he was amazing. Well, and the whole storyline of how it's his... It's his... Uh, um, a girlfriend that that goes with the, the uh, with the general, and that the general has been tormenting his village and all of this, and so he he's the only one out of all of them who has any honor. That when they steal the guns to give them to the general, he's like, "What you know? Why do I, I want to be a why do you, why do I want to be a part of giving them more guns to terrorize my people? Give me give me a box of guns." And then he's, you know, once they find out and they take him, that's where it starts to turn around. And I think that one of the key, there's a couple of key statements in this movie that I think show, uh, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm just going to say my piece and then no, I, and no, then, you're fine. Um, I think one of the, a couple of key statements that, that show the entire story of this movie. I think the first one is when they're at Angel's hometown and they're talking with the uh, old Mexican guy there and he says, uh, you know, we all dream of being children again, perhaps even the worst of us. And then he looks at Pike and he says, actually, maybe the worst of us dream it the most. And I, that's such a telling statement, you know, and, and, and Pike kind of goes, yeah, you know, he agrees with him that it's this idea of now that they're finally at the end of their lives. I mean, because you think about in the Old West, like these guys are, are you know, in their 60s, like 50s, 60s, like they're they're almost dead like that's sure. the end of life expectancy age. yeah <laughs> they're, they're the end of life expectancy for the wild west and you think like that idea of being a kid again changing these things that you thought before having honor again being men of morals uh, on some level what could that really mean you know and i think that there's that's one of the telling statements and then later uh after they've left angel once the general has found out that he stole one of his boxes of guns yeah and they take Angel, and they, you know, the guys in, in Pike's gang are kind of cowards. Like, they back off, and they go, you know? Yeah, and selfish. Yeah. yeah, and they're talking about Deke Thornton. They're, they're talking about Deke Thornton. Um, uh, Pike and uh, uh, Borgnine are talking about Deke Thornton, and he says, uh, you know, well, you've got to, you know, he of course he's going to keep uh, coming after us. You know, he... He gave, uh, he gave, yeah, he gave the him his, the best his word. The whole movie yeah, he gave him his word, and he said he gave his word to a railroad company. He's like he gave him his word, and then Borgnine turns and looks at him, and he says, "That's not what counts. It's who you give your word to." Yeah. That I don't think they're talking about Thornton at all. They're talking about themselves. Well, they're they, talking about the fact that they left Angel totally. at the general's well, camp. That, that is probably the single best piece of acting in the whole. Oh movie. my god! It's yeah, incredible. It's, 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 it's actually just we just. Just talking about it's, it, I kind of got goosebumps. It's like, again, it, it's only two lines, but they say so much in that line. Yeah, I mean, I think and it's that's that's the realization of like, what the fuck are we even alive for? If we're willing to do that around those guys. Oh man! Oh man! Like, Holy fuck! It's totally true. And um, so, uh, what, the one other thing I was gonna say, and this is the last thing I was gonna say about it, uh, uh, as far as this goes, the reason why I think the Deep Thornton storyline is he's the one that's the uh, ex. Uh, um, companion of theirs that's chasing them now is that when he finally gets to the massacre, and spoiler alert, <laughs> when he finally gets to, ma to the massacre at the end, and they're all dead, and they obviously went out in this extreme blaze of glory to save their friend, or at least give them all a big fuck you on the way out, he's bummed that he couldn't be a part of it. That's why he doesn't even go back with their bodies. He just sits down there, yeah. and he doesn't, you know, he's like, he realizes that he sold out, and he realizes that he did give his word to the wrong people. 
You know what I mean? And that he didn't stay true, even though that. it was harder. That I think that's a huge plot point in the story. Is like it's better to get shot a hundred times and die of fiery emblazoned death than to go on living and go against your friends and go against your word. You know, that that's worse. I can see that. And so that's why I liked that he showed up after everything and like he looks bummed and not bummed that they're dead. He looks bummed that like he wasn't, he didn't die with them. That's a good point, yeah. Because now he's just this old washed up dude that's obviously a sellout. Yeah. You know? Okay, Uh, I can definitely say, I guess I was just more expecting a confrontation and I I enjoyed the whole backstory the whole time. Right. I just was, I guess, expecting that. And yeah, well, and I, I think that's what kind of, one of the things that's cool, though. Is it they, was kind of surprising, yeah. They, yeah, they, they make you think that's what's going to happen. Now that you say that, though, that does make sense. And maybe I just didn't understand why there wasn't a confrontation. Um, you know, I think probably one of the, the hands-down best scene, which was completely improvised, um, was the Arsenal train robbery scene. That was not oh, in the script. Really? And it, and, and it is. I, I mean, mean, there's it, really not much dialogue, and that's why. No, I you love talk it. about that like Michael Mann. We've talked about like that Michael Mann meticulousness of setting up the scene oh, and watching so everything. Incredible. Where when you watch it, you're like, this is totally believable because they're being so careful and quiet and quiet. Oh. God, man, that's oh, it's fucking so good. Amazing. And all you hear, all you hear that drives the scene is the sound of the train. Yep, and that's all it is. And and you're just oh, with it the God. whole time. And and it's like probably five to eight minutes of no no word and I love that um, that they just take off dude the part where they pull down oh, I'm sorry go ahead what are you going to say yeah, exactly. where he pulls down the, the uh, coal chute and the one brother uh, the uh, there's uh, Lyle and Tector and I think it's Lyle that's that's laying down with his rifle in the chute when they pull the chute down and he just rolls over and oh, points it at the dude and you're like Yes. Well, and th- that's where you really find that these guys are pros. They, yeah, they, they fucking know, know exactly what, the fuck what they're, they're doing. doing. Um, I love that they use hand signals the whole time. Mm-hmm. And they, I just love how it's quite. I love how there's no he, like, words. Backs the train up just barely so that he can fucking release the cars. Like that's so that, fucking that, cool. Um, the deck is in the same train, and so is mm-hmm. the army guys and stuff. And they they just look out and. Deck knows automatically, and he gets the horses, and they're gone. They're out chasing him pretty quick. Yep, yep. And yep. I love that the train—they put it in reverse. I yeah, mean, yeah. Awesome. Oh fuck, man, that's great. Yeah, they yeah. send the train back, <laughs> yeah. and the dudes are still trying to get the horses out. Fuck, that's so good. One, one story point that I wish they would have—I I guess it just would have added the story more. Um, there is a lot, a lot of Spanish speaking here. With no subtitles. See, and I kind of liked it. I, I did too, but I, I think it, it lends to more realism. It, I it think it does, but I, I also wanted to know what they were saying. I wanted to. I, I figured. It, I, I think it would add to the story more, and you'd be a little more invested in those people. Not that you need to be, and you understood. You understood what was happening. Yeah. But I just kind of wish I knew what they were I, saying. I agree with you, except the only the only thing that I don't agree with that is that. There are a couple of key scenes where you're not entirely sure what's going to happen next because you don't understand what they're saying and you're in the position of most of the guys there because uh, with the exception of Angel and Ernest Borgnine, none of the other guys speak Spanish. So they're all standing there like, what pistols at the ready, yeah. like what the fuck is and about to happen? That's, I understand. That's and so you kind of couldn't stop doing subtitles for those couple of scenes yeah, where it really plays an integral part. But I know what you mean. That there certainly were times that it bothered me, and it because wasn't it, as much of a key thing. 
full scenes where it's just it's in just Spanish. Spanish, and they you don't know what they're saying. And one of the guys, one of the general's men, is uh, a homeboy from fucking uh, uh, Three Amigos, and then he also plays the dude yep. that drives the jeep yep. <laughs> in *Romancing the Stone*. That's right. Yeah, he's uh, the guy who meets them in the canyon or whatever, and they have the dynamite strapped. Is that the guy? No, 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 no. He's the one. He's like the uh, general's. No, you know what? It is. I'm yeah. sorry. No, you're yeah. right. Yeah, that, they meet him in the canyon. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's him. Yeah, he's the. Uh, would you say I have a plethora of presents? That's right. It's him. But uh, dude, some of the other scenes in this. Fuck, dude. When Angel shoots his fucking girlfriend while oh, yeah. they're sitting there, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I couldn't believe that shit. That's amazing. I mean, I think the fight at the end, like, just... Oh. Well, and there's some cool symbolism, too, that happens before. Like I mentioned, uh, there's some symbolism with animals that occurs a couple of times, like like with the scorpions. Mm-hmm. But then later, uh, when when they're uh, uh, at the whorehouse, when, when basically um, Pike decides, like, when he looks at the girl, he looks at the prostitute that he's with, and he looks at her baby, and he looks back at her, and he hears the brothers in the other room arguing with the the prostitute about how much they're going to pay. And it's like something fucking clicks in him. And he realizes right then, Mm -hmm. what the fuck am I doing? Why do I care about this? Like, let's go get our guy. And he just stands up and he walks in the other room as that's happening. When they're in the other room and they're arguing about how much they're going to pay, there's that little bird chick that's jumping up and down on Tector's chest. Mm -hmm. And when they stand up, when he comes in, he's like, let's go. And they just like, you see the, it clicks for everybody. They look at him, they get that grin and they're like, yeah, why the fuck not, you know? <laughs> and they all get up to leave. The girl turns and looks, and the little chick bird's dead. It's laying there on the ground, yeah. and it's dead. And mm-hmm. it's another one of those. The second that it was that, I was like, oh, fuck, everybody's going to die. And that next scene, I mean, where they go in, and, you know, the general slits Angel's throat, and well, then... Well, the, the scene, walking up with the shotgun... is fucking amazing. And that wasn't scripted either. Sam Peckinpah was on set saying, well, let's extend the scene a little more. It shows them, and it totally reminiscent of kind of a Reservoir Dogs. Oh, yeah, 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 dude, because they look like the, the hardest yeah. motherfuckers <laughs> you ever the toughest seen. Thing. A few things I have to say about Mexicans before we go on. <laughs> um, these dudes can fucking party. They're always like, partying. They are, you can tell they're so hungover. Oh, wait, I know. I, can I say what number two is going to be? <laughs> what? They shouldn't, they should, the, the, those guys should never have been allowed to have machine guns. No, but I do <laughs> love. This is the part where they, like, oh, can't get yeah, it to turn that, off, yeah. and it's shooting everywhere, and then they finally, like, and everybody's ducking, and then it, finally they get it shut off, and then everybody gets up, and the music starts immediately, well, and, and then they start shooting everything. Again, like, yeah, that went on forever. That great. Well, and it's obvious and that, I was that the machine gun up. is a new thing, mm-hmm. and they just have no clue. Nobody what knows doing. how to use it, yeah. Um, and, and the second thing I was going to say is, like, I've never seen so many Mexicans get mowed down in one scene. And in any movie, there, ever. There's got to be at least 80 bodies in that Yeah, that has, to, that has to get some sort of a trivia award for, like... <laughs> The, Guinness book. The, the most, like, the Mexicans mowed down, and it's insane. It's crazy. And it's, this movie is brutal. The um, this Mexican, isn't, I, I don't, like, we're talking about the movie. I hope nobody thinks that we're saying anything bad about Mexican No, people. no, no, no. It just sounded like those three things in a row, I suddenly went, oh, is this no, so those bad are all good things. Yeah, those are all good things. <laughs> yeah. um, this is just a brutal movie, and I would have to say it's probably one of my favorite westerns now. I agree. Oh, and that scene at the end, before the end massacre, where they bring up Angel, and the general is the final fuck yep. you, slits his throat, and dude, uh, Pike just lifts his gun and shoots him in the head, and then, right then, 
everything stops and fucking everybody sits there and nobody just, moves. Yeah, and then curious. Ernest Borgnine, this is this is the part that gave me gives me chills again just talking about it. Ernest Borgnine, he's got it's he's so got cool. a pistol and then his rifle and he looks around and he does that weird little laugh just like, yeah, we're gonna go down, but so are all of you. It's just like this little <laughs> and then like, I mean, it is it is fucking exhilarating. It is it's. So good, and one, one, one little side bit, um, b- before I, uh, I, I want to get back to the Deke thing for just a minute. Yeah. The, um, the one thing I was hoping that would happen, and after you explained it, I, that does make more sense with him and, and how, why he didn't have any confrontation, mm-hmm. but I was thinking, I guess the whole time that, the, you know how, um, Willem Holdem, sh- he has that scar on his leg, and he, yeah. the guy kind of shoots him and runs off. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. that was him the whole time, and that's why they were going to have a confrontation. Um, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. He, he, sh- he kills his mistress that he was in love with or whatever, mm-hmm. and then he shoots him in the leg, and he bails like a pussy. Right, and right, right. I was right. thinking that was Deke, and that's why they're, they had kind of a scattered history kind of thing. Um, oh, and, okay. and that's why I thought they were going to have a confrontation. I guess is what I was expecting. But now that you explain it, it makes more sense. Yeah, that's interesting. I I I, I kind of had uh, uh, I kind of I remember watching that part and then kind of didn't think about it sure. again. But uh, that's one of the interesting things, though, is it paints this uh, or uh, paints. I'm mixing metaphors here. It weaves an interesting tapestry of 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 so much texture. Of history for these guys, and now that we're talking about it, you know the chase with with uh, with Deke and Pike. It, it's it's almost like it, it's where the whole uh, "No Country for Old Men" thing came from. Totally, yeah. Where you get this chase, and so you think it's going to be this one thing, and then you realize that the movie's about something completely different than well, what you thought well, it was. And that's what I was thinking when, when you were explaining that to me, I was like, like I, I don't want to say that I'm bummed that they didn't have a confrontation, but. Because you know, I don't, you I don't, so I don't need that. But you were just like, well, then why did they tell the story the whole time, kind of thing? Right. I, I guess that's where I was going from it. A funny side note before we, before we wrap it up, um, the scene where the two brothers are with the two whores. Yeah. And they're dancing in the in the winery. Oh and they yeah, shoot, yeah. They shoot holes. Yeah. Apparently, those those three ladies are actually from a local brothel, and Sam Peckinpah actually <gasps> hired them so he could say that Warner Brothers. Hired prostitutes. Oh shit! <laughs> I read that on, amazing. on uh, IMDb, and I was like, "That is awesome." The one <laughs> last little thing I wanted to mention—it's uh, just something small, but I thought it was a, a, an interesting point. Um, I guess two things I want to mention. The one is that uh, you know, to see a car in a western, I thought that was really interesting, yep. and like see the them bike. talk about it, you know, and that he's like. Oh, they've got him now with wings that can that can fly, and he's like, "Wow, wow, that's a crazy world," you know. And it's just like, yeah, that they're like, "Whoa, it's a car!" Like they'd never seen a car. I've just never seen that, that in a western. Now that, that I'm thinking, of, it's kind of the same thing with the bike and mm-hmm. um, Butch and Cassidy. Cassidy. But I think there was actually quite a few cars in Butch Cassidy, but it came out the same year. Yeah, they, with like when they go off on their way to Bolivia in Butch Cassidy. They stop it, and there's I pictures think it's of them. Supposed to be, you know, it's like but, a but, city. But, right? But you're talking about the difference between, uh, you know, the 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 the, the uh, wilderness of the West mm-hmm. versus actual set up cities. True, you yeah. know, I mean, right. you have to think about there, during the uh, the period of time that a movie like this is supposed to take place, like. Uh, 1910 ish, yeah. something like I, I that. I guess I just don't see it. Yeah. I mean, you think about what 1910 looks like. Uh, 
you know, 1910, I think, is supposed to be the same period of time that, like, Dracula is supposed to take place. Yeah. But that's in London, and you think about what it looks like in London, you're like, well, there's a bunch of cars, and, and the entire town is, is uh, the entire city is lit with gaslights. Yeah, I mean, right? So you are just got the big city versus out in the middle of nowhere, so that's why you don't see I guess that. that's true. I guess, I guess it seems like if they were so blown away by the bike, the car would be also... <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, like, right, right, right. Now, uh, the one last thing I wanted to mention is speaking of, of uh, Butch Cassidy, you know, the... I guess thinking that both these movies came out in 1969, I feel like that one was really trying to live up to the spirit of the Western and, and, and one just went for it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that one was trying to use pop culture as a way to be like, yeah, it's Western, but it's also like these attractive actors that you guys know and love and mm-hmm. a soundtrack by a swinging cat, you know? <laughs> and the other one is like, they fucking went for it, you know? And I guess that's the only reason why Butch Cassidy f- falls a little bit short on that is because I think, especially now so much longer, you know, so so many years after the fact, it seems so much so much more dated. You know, it, sure. it it didn't it didn't work in the way that it I holds, was hoping. It holds the test of time a little better. And part of it might even be just that when I watch a western, I want to see it gritty and hard boiled and yeah. just pissed. I don't want it to be kind of like. Well, and Mark Middlemas actually wrote us his feedback saying, "I can't believe you're talking shit." Yeah, we we're waiting for his hate mail, so he's moving, so he can't send it yet, but he will. I hope so, because yeah. I want to read it. Fuck, me too. So, well, let's go ahead and take a break really quick, and we'll come back with our top five. Uh, top five gr- gratuitous, uh, graphic, violent scenes. Very fitting with Wild Bunch, I should say. Dude, I <laughs> fucking I couldn't believe how bloody it was. That machine gun mowed down a lot of people. Uh, right now we're going to listen to Red Tape, and the song is called Pray to God It Don't Crash.
Top five time. Okay, we're yeah. doing our top five gratuitous violent scenes. Just over the top. Obviously, uh, not the movie over the top. Just <laughs> I hope <laughs> top five arm wrestling movies. Let's top, change it. To top that. five scenes from over the top. <laughs> no, uh, obviously that. gratuitous. You know, there's basically no apparent reason or justification why these people are doing this to the other person. Type of type of scene. That's how I went ahead. But they have motive to do it. I think. But justification for the brutalness. Seems yeah, it's just one of the. It's just one of the, or even just one of those things where it's like, you know, somebody could stab somebody in a movie, and you're like, ooh. And then there's other times where in a movie they're they're like stab the other person, and like multiple times, and you're just like, oh my god, oh god, it looks like really, ah, like yeah, why did why did they show me that? Yeah, so okay, um, do, do you want me to go ahead and start? Um, sure. My number five is sort of a a blanket statement one. Because I think that, but it's great. I, I I think this movie is great, and I think that it it would have been an equally amazing movie had none of the insanely over the top violence been in it. But because they did, and I guess from who it was from that directed it too, it's kind of surprising. But it's Sleepy Hollow. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, you could do the same movie and and have just like beheadings and stuff that you don't see or whatever. But instead, like, Tim Burton went so fucking overboard. Yeah, I remember... It uh, is so fucking it's violent. very violent, yeah. It's really... I, I actually just watched it again a couple days ago, because I just... I love that movie. I think the tone of it, the way it looks yeah, is great. Johnny cool Depp tone. is great in it. Um, but, I mean, you you see the most visceral well, fucking, like, like... Piles of heads. Piles of heads, or, like, when somebody gets their head cut off, and the, the CGI in it looks fucking phenomenal, but you just see, like, the stump, and it's so is fucking Is there one gnarly. particular scene, though? Yeah, the one particular scene in it is when, uh... <clears throat> the Headless Horseman is just killed, uh... Both the husband and the wife and the little kid in the cabin, mm-hmm. and he's on his way back out, and the one kind of badass dude that was originally dating uh, Christina Ricci is trying to attack him and he like stabs him and like the headless horseman doesn't you know he's not there to collect his head and so he's just like walking around him and doesn't want to be like doesn't want to be attacked but doesn't want to kill the dude either Mm -hmm. and he keeps and Johnny Depp's there and he's like he doesn't want you just leave him alone and he runs up behind him and they get in this sort of like knife fight like him and the headless horseman get in this really close kind of knife fight and the the horseman has his sword, and then he ends up taking the dude's other sword, and they keep fighting. And it's from just a little distance, but he gets one sword on one side of his body, another one on the other, and just cuts him in half. Oh, Do you remember that? It's like they're on the bridge, and he just goes, zip! And like you see the top half of his body flip, and the legs just drop out from underneath him. And I mean, it's a beautiful piece of foot. Like, it looks so fucking good, but you're just like... Holy fuck! And he just yeah, just like a like a like a fucking Benny Hanna chef, man. <laughs> it seriously was just like one of those things that I was like, good for Tim Burton for really being like, this is going to be a slasher movie. This yeah, is going to be an 18th century that's slasher. That's fun, and like you said, of course, the tone and Don, looks Johnny Depp's great, but uh, it really looks cool. And the whole just very cool dark style. Yeah, like he just thing. went for Which, it, man. obviously he's great at. Yeah. Know, but it's just... Uh, but to I, go instead pick. of the whimsy, he went for like, alright, blood everywhere. Great pick. You know, that's funny because that was a movie that I own that I was like, oh, you know, I, I hadn't seen it in a while 
And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll watch this with Caden. It's kind of like a story, a fairy tale. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and I, we start watching, and I was like, oh, shit, I forgot how violent this is. Yeah, I don't know pretty my son said what. Yeah. <laughs> so we turned it off. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay, my number five is the baseball bat scene in Casino. Oh, dude, that is that is my number three. Is it? Yeah, that is... God, yeah. It's, uh, as far as like realistic, brutal scenes... Um, and, in and, and the, fucking sane. And the whole time... I mean, you kind of just you see it coming the whole movie that he's gonna get it, you know, kind of thing because he's such a prick, but he's he's so good at it. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, and, and just, he thinks he's protected. Yeah, so he thinks he's gonna be fine. The way they do it is genius, though. That it happens in the middle of one of his voiceovers. Yeah, that is fucking brilliant. Where well, he's just like, "Wow, they took his dad, but dad, but ah!" And like, right, that his voiceovers. Well, and, and, and the way they edit it, where it's just kind of quick edits, and along with that, I would say also, as I mentioned, maybe would be the. The uh, vice, the guy's head in the oh, vice. Oh, where his eyeball pops out yeah. of his skull. Oh like, my uh, god, dude, yeah. There's some seriously... Yeah, but uh, I, I think the, the sort of animatronic uh, dummy versions of of uh, of Pesci and the guy that plays his brother yeah. after they've been stripped and they're thrown in and oh. they're shoveling the dirt on him, that's just one of those things where, like, even for me, where I'm a, I'm a horror buff all the way around and that kind of stuff doesn't bug me anymore that, that was hard to watch man it was mm-hmm. like I think because it did have it was it was total overkill no pun intended and then on top of that it, it was so lifelike I mean mm-hmm. it just was yeah that's a that's a brutal one that's a good one for sure um do you want to go since that was my number three do you want to do you want to go again or do you want me to just um I guess okay I'll go I'll go again. Your number four my number four I don't think you've seen this movie uh the uh, once again another Johnny Depp movie actually on my list, uh, Dead Man. Oh, the Jim Jarmusch one. And I've mentioned this before, but yeah. I didn't say it, and so and it doesn't ruin anything you, in the movie. You're not going to ruin anything because I haven't seen it. No, it doesn't really ruin anything in the movie. There's uh, uh, I there's think I two actually, there's two assassins that are mentioned this, but yeah, you, there's two assassins that are chasing uh, Johnny Depp through the movie, and they're both these uh, I think they're brothers, and they're both bald headed, and they have big handlebar mustaches. Um, at some point, I mean, you, you see it way early on that they're going to end up getting killed. They get killed, and they're laying there, and the real assassin, like the real badass that's chasing Johnny Depp, these, these guys are just sort of like low-level scum, mm-hmm. the real badass comes across him, and he looks down, and he's like, huh, look at that, because they're, like, they're both bald, and they're laying in this weird way where it looks sort of angelic. It looks weird where both their heads are sort of these profiles. And he's like... Looks like a goddamn religious icon. And he steps on one of the guy's heads and fucking... It's like they must have used like a rubber head for this part or whatever. Cracks the dude's fucking... Uh. And his whole skull just like... Like his head just cracks into pieces. And it's there's nothing else like it in the movie. There's no other real violence. It's Jim Jarmusch. It's very low-key. It's very calm. You know, there's a couple of shootout kind of stuff. But it's really sort of taking this idea of like the, you know, his existentialist Western kind of a philosophy. Except for this one scene where he fucking just like cracks this dude's head like an egg. And because the guy's bald, like completely shaved head, you see the whole thing. And it's like, even though it's black and white, you're like, I'm sorry. Was that necessary? We know he's a badass. You don't need to do that. Like, just fucking insane. So that's that's my uh, number. That's my number four. Cool. My number four is actually one you probably, uh, I'm sure, I think you've seen, but it's a scene you probably have, didn't think about, and I don't think it's on your list, but it's a scene from The Pianist. 
where um, the Roman plants. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where the uh, where the two guys throw the guy in the wheelchair. Oh my god! Yeah. The oh wheelchair my god. Over, over the balcony. That is definitely one of those. That, uh, that like, scene. Oh. That it, it, and you don't really see anything. God, that's a good movie. Oh, I, I need to watch it again. It's terrific. It's so good. Uh, yeah. The, uh, but it's just like. It's these guys are they they don't even crack there, there's nothing these the family is screaming and it's on the top of the top of this uh, building yeah and they're obviously hiding out they find yeah. them they have no remorse they pick up this guy and just nonchalantly chuck him yeah. over the side and you're just like and this guy's in a wheelchair and he's an old man and and it's just like it's, it's obvious so like yeah. realistic well and it's cool too the way that 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 scene is shot because it kind of i mean uh obviously a lesser movie but i think uh the same uh style and effect is uh you know in in exorcist 3 when they're when it's yeah. it's the big scary scene where the the nurse is going in and out down the corridor yeah. and the camera never fucking moves in it sits there for so long that at first you're worried what's going to happen and then you stop being worried and then you start kind of getting bored and then you're like why are we still watching this and then something fucking horrible happens but it never switches that one thing that that movie does the same thing where they're looking out the window and it just is showing it from like across the street across in the another street. window yep. that one scene and you see him go in and you're like, and you keep waiting to hear a gunshot or something like, oh, they're going to shoot him. And then they just see him like coming out of the balcony with the old man. And you're like, fuck you, fuck you. Oh, my God. And they just, what? Oh, and it just makes oh, you, you, make you just go, oh. Yeah. Like, it, it, the thing is, it doesn't show anything. It's the thought of this poor, helpless guy. Yeah. Getting, oh. Just like, they're, like they're just throwing a bag of And the of family garbage. obviously is just like. Well, what do you do? Yeah, they took uh, grandpa. They threw him out the fucking balcony. Well, I, I, Amazing. I yeah, one, one that I uh, thought you may not. No, have. that's a great one. I hadn't even thought of that. Um, I guess I'll, I will do as my. Uh, well, I'll just do my. It's my number two. Um, is the movie Chopper? I don't know if you've seen that. Uh-uh. Uh, with. Um, why am I always so bad at actors' names? Uh, 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 fucking. I can't think of anything that he's in. Uh, the, the, uh, Eric Bana. I'm sorry. Okay. Good Lord. Uh, Eric Bana, and he plays this Australian uh, hitman. And, you know, the beginning of the movie takes place in prison, and there's basically one guy that's that's uh, pretty high up uh, as far as uh, gang members that's in there. And uh, at some point after they've been kind of scuffling back and forth and saying things to each other, um, Chopper decides that he's going to shiv this guy. And he's just sort of standing on the other side of the yard looking at him. And he starts walking towards him and you see him kind of pull down the little shiv out of his out of his uh, shirt sleeve. And he goes up and he turns the guy around and stabs him probably like 30 times like click, 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 click in the face and neck. Huh. And, you know, it was a low budget movie. I don't know how the fuck they did it, but it is it is it is just it stops the movie for a minute mm-hmm. and he finishes and then he walks back to the other side and he starts kind of like pacing and the dude's on the ground. There's like blood everywhere. And you know, as a testament to how crazy this character is that Eric Ben is playing, he sits there for a minute and then he starts going, Hey, I was just having fun with you, dude. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, don't, don't die. You know, like I just, and the guy's like, Ooh, like he can barely move, you know, he's just in this Jeez. huge puddle of blood. And so he's trying to give him a cigarette. Like, I'm sorry, man. Here, just, just, here, let me, let me give you, let me give you a smoke, man. It's cool. Like, it's seriously, like, the most disturbing. Weird. And actually, every scene, of every sort of burst of violent scene in this movie 
is is that is that uh, that traumatic. It just kind of happens, and it seems very much like real life, and it's fucking brutal, just terrifying. Wow. So it's a movie you should check out. It's not a great movie. The plot of it's they kind of based it. They kind of made it too lifelike, so it kind of doesn't it meanders a little bit. But yeah. it's a it's a fucking great one. So that's that would be that's my number two. Okay, well uh, maybe to fill your three spot, I have a tie here, and it's when you may have I, but it's uh, we got the ear scene, Reservoir Dogs, and the uh, Marvin's face in Pulp Fiction. Oh yeah, you know you got oh. uh, you know it's a tie, of course. Yeah, but, uh, but obviously the ear scene is probably more gratuitous. I think. Well, I think a, 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 intended to be a little more serious. Where like Marvin's face, like you cannot help but, at but the same fucking time, laugh at that. I seen that movie as a 14, 15 year old. Yeah, it's like, like oh, oh my god, yeah. But I also was probably the only one laughing in the theater. I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Oh yeah, hating that guy. <laughs> where you're like, no, I don't think it was supposed to be serious. I yeah, it's supposed to be funny. Um, but. Uh, you know, obviously, I mean, yeah, we don't. The ear there's not scene, much to say. My God, I, mean, I know that's the one that made Wes Craven walk out of the Sundance or whatever. That's right. You know, and and anyone who's listening to this, I'm sure, has seen those movies, and we don't have much explaining to do no. on that one. Other um, than it just looks great. It looks. It oh, looks yeah, so true. just. Well, and, my God. and the best part about it is you don't see. It. It's just suggested. You don't see it, but then they obviously show that you're gone. Right. But I mean, you don't see him actually cutting it. But the whole part that makes it so great is that you don't and well and then they, be, and then they, doing they, it they to li- the, literally or uh intentionally move the camera to yeah, the side yeah so you don't see and it. you just hear it yeah well and which i just even worse yeah and, and i think the fact that it's all done to this really limp-wristed groovy 1970s oh that's uh, the best stuck part. in the middle with like that I mean, just makes it even, all, all all the better you that know, will you've got, you've that got will to forever that. keep that song i mean make that song anything uh, it won't make it anything but that for, for <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, clowns to the left of me. Yeah, just like it's fucking horrible. Anytime you hear it, you're you're going to think of that ear scene. Um, do you so my to, number one. Do you want me to do my number two? Oh, you know, yeah, you know what? Yeah, do your number two. Since uh, yeah, since yeah, I, yeah. And, it, and it may be your number one. Um, I doubt it. Okay, um, my number two and and it almost made number one, but the number one, and number two are equally pretty horrifying. Uh-huh. Uh, it's irreversible. Number two. Uh, it is my number one. It is? Okay. The fucking fire extinguisher scene. My God. And actually, you know what? You know what you should do. There is, and it's fucking amazing. There is on YouTube uh, a making of that scene really? where they go spot by spot of all the different ways that they were able to do it. And it's, I mean, it's a combination of puppets, CGI, uh, real actors using like a, a half fire extinguisher multiple stuff it's, and it's actually fascinating how they did it but it, it is it is truly one of the most horrific things i've seen on film and it starts where first of all where he breaks the one dude's arm where he's down on top of him and steps that, on his arm and breaks his arm right. back and then he's gonna rape him and then the other guy comes up that whole beginning of the movie like that mm. movie that this is one movie that i will honest i can honestly say i have no interest in ever seeing again ever like yeah. it, it is not a movie that you just pop in one night. Well, and and and, and the whole beginning, like it's such a weird movie. Yeah. And it, it, you know, there's maybe 15 minutes of a spinning camera going down, and you see yeah. some guy getting his dick sucked, or yeah. or some weird thing happening in the corner. Yeah. And you're just like, and, and then there's like a uh, uh, an apartment building, and it doesn't make sense for like 20 minutes. Yeah. And the first like. 
thing that really comes That's clear. That's cohesive. Yeah, that, that you could tell what's going on. You, this guy's obviously looking for somebody. Mm-hmm. but Because the, the movie is told in, in reverse chrono, chron- chronological order, like Memento. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, you know, but the thing of it is, and I'll say this too, it's one of those movies I won't own. I have no interest in seeing again. But at the same time, cannot deny no way, yeah. how it made me feel by the end of it. The way that the story is told, the fact that it's uh, uh, in reverse chronological order, the way that it's filmed, it's a fucking brilliant I, movie. I've, I've honestly never seen anything on film like that That before. makes you feel that way. And or the, it, the, the, the horrible, the, the, the like eight-minute-long rape scene in it. I See, mean, I, it is... I think everyone talked about ah. that, but I, I think that looked like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ernest com- goes to camp after com- watching it. Compared to that guy getting his face bashed in oh, the tank. Oh my god! I've I honestly like I've never felt so uneasy watching yeah. a movie, and I watch it by myself. Oh yeah, and I mean, it's not something you want to watch with a date or anything. You my know? god, no! But but I like I I I seriously had to turn my head away, but at the same time, it's like, how did they do that? Because it's one shot. Yeah, and I, I I I'm very interested to see how they it's did it. it's actually fascinating. But at the same time, I don't want to see it again. I, it's fascinating it's to watch, though. It really is. I'm sure to it see is. It, but but it, you're yeah, it's so it's, realistic. I, yeah, it's like I can close and and it's funny. I remember Levi telling me this. He was like, uh, and it's funny actually because I maybe had a a, a little bit of a, a leg up from you on this one because I I had heard about it. I knew about it before but I, I saw it, but. Um, but I, I knew, but I had no idea how graphic it was. It truly. But, but I love what Levi said. He said, uh, "You know, they're right in naming the movie that because once you see that scene, <laughs> yeah. every time you close your eyes and think about it, you can picture it viscerally, exactly." Oh well, and I, I actually really loved how the way it ended, and and yeah. how, it, how it ended up turning out to be a really cool movie. But like, at the same time. I, I hate There's it. almost no other way they could do it though, because if they would have filmed it in regular yeah. sequence, the movie would have been horrifying. But it's like the little secrets that that kind of get unlocked as you see what happened earlier that day, and and you know it makes it. I don't know, man. It's it is a really fascinating film though. It, it is, but, but it is. I I would strongly advise anybody out there. I mean, it is fascinating. Don't get me wrong, but the first, probably the first half hour, yeah, half an hour of it. There is some things in it that, are, are, I mean, they're done so well, but they are almost life-changing. Like, it is so fucking hard to watch. It is. It I've is. never seen anything like that in my life. Well, after saying that, I kind of feel like that, that should have been my number one. Yeah, what was your number? Uh, what's your number one? My number one? one, and this is obviously is a terrific movie, and I saw this in the theater, and it was close to equally as horrific on screen than watching that. And obviously, Irreversible was a bit longer. Yeah. And um, really, honestly, bashed you in the face with it. Yeah, literally. Uh, but it's American History X, where he curbs the guy. That one's pretty rough. I don't um, think... I think Irreversible wins out, dude. Well, I do. I mean, I think that it's... About it, it, you know, it, it obviously this, is a more gratuitous fight. Worst part of the American History X? The little noise that the dude's yeah, teeth it, make on the concrete. Before, yeah. Before he gets curbed. Yeah, it, it's really, like, and I saw that with my mom. And and, and it really, like, it... Ugh. I hadn't seen anything on film um, that made me cringe like that ever. No. Um, in, in, until I saw Reversible, I guess. So I yeah. guess I should switch those up. But, um, but it, um, it... it. Funny little side note. It, it feels... 
pointless trying to explain it after we it, talked about it. In really high school, when I became a punk rocker and, like, shaved my head and got a homemade tattoo and all this, and, like, like I hate school, and I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm just going to listen to my hardcore music on my headphones. Some kid started a rumor that, like, over the summer before... I had had to go to a mental institution for a couple months because I curbed a kid. No way. Yeah. Did you? Well, the funny thing <laughs> is is that I didn't know anything about any of this until I, I moved in with this kid I had gone to high school with um, years and years later. He, just, I, I, he had a, a spare bedroom, and I moved in. And then, like, one night we were drinking, and he was like, hey, i got to ask you something. And he asked me that, and I was like, they wouldn't just let me go back to high school if I curbed a kid. I'd be in prison. Like, to this day, I'd still be in prison. He's like, yeah, once I said it out loud, it sounded pretty stupid. And I'm like, they're, they're fucking, of course not. But apparently, there is some rumor floating around, which I guess, you know, uh, made it easier for me, I guess. Obviously, it's uh, I mean, it's a pretty impactful scene. And it really... Oh, God. A turning point for Edward Norton's character in the movie, too, you know, where... You truly see he's gone to the edge of being this hardcore uh, poster boy Nazi guy. Oh know? yeah, oh yeah. And, and, that's and, that's that's and, him. And like... that's obviously what eventually changes him. But the fact that it had to get that far it is pretty gnarly. Yeah. And, and, and and for fucking stealing his car. Or, yeah, yeah, stealing his uh, car. What a terrific movie, though. Yeah, I, I love yeah. that movie. Um, all right, should we get into? Uh, I guess that was a good. That was some good top fives. Yeah, definitely. I would still say I would say American History X underneath Irreversible, though. Now that we're talking as far about as like full blown gratuity. Now of that violence, we're ta- like whoa. talking about it, I don't know. I was watch that thing on YouTube though. Do watch it because it doesn't. It shows it. It never shows it in its entirety. Yeah, it shows you the different versions of it, but it's pretty fascinating. Um, anyway, okay, let's get into listener feedback. I think we only got one this week, uh, other than your the one from uh, Mark Middlemiss, Mark. But, but that's more of a precursor to the real email that he's going to send I hope he us. sends one. I hope he does, too. Okay. We're calling you out, Mark. <laughs> uh, we've got one from uh, our buddy Steve, uh, Steve Lyon in uh, Wimbledon, Wimbledon, England. England. Do you want to go ahead and uh, read this? Um, no, yeah, he was just... Don't, don't read his mobile number, though. Oh, I won't. He, he, <laughs> he actually wants us to come and hang out with him in England, so that's hey. very uh, awesome. Actually. Yeah, I, I, I think we should I definitely do that. I wish I had that. money. Um, One of these days. The, uh, Once this gets huge. He uh, he was just saying he was listening to our episode and, and um, noticed no one was writing in, so thank you very much for even saying hello. It's great to know that you're still out there. Oh, yeah. Um, and wanted to thank us for mentioning him, but of course we will do it um, anytime he writes in. Um Anything he's inviting us to London. Um, if we're considering a trip to London, to give him a ring, he gives us his number and uh, oh, and I like yeah, they'll show us around. I like the uh, uh, the uh, top five films that you take with you on a desert island. See, my only problem with that, and that's a suggestion he had, was the top five films you take with you. If you're on a desert island, my only problem with that is it changes every day. <laughs> so it's just like, well, See, not every, that, that, not that's every why day. it's the big one though. If you could only have five, not not every day, but you know what I mean. It's just you know. So I mean, but I mean, well, I mean, we'll, we'll do it one of these days. But I mean, just just as a conversation, be like, what the fuck would it be? Um, I mean, date you could only date movie. Okay, so want. that's one. I got Delta Farce, <laughs> Santa with muscles. <laughs> um, what else? Deathbed. Deathbed. Um, uh, what was the Kung Fu Dog one? Uh, karate dog. Karate dog. 
Those would be some of them. Anyways, um, he basically uh, thinks he, he loved when he was a kid, you know, if he could watch him against Star Wars, stuff like that. <sighs> Only seen the first hour of The Godfather. That is that is embarrassing. Yeah, and yeah, that is embarrassing. That. He was wondering also why uh, we didn't do The Searchers on our film a Westable, um, surely the best ever. I think the reason why is because we already had a John Wayne movie. Yeah. I think that's But John you know Wayne. what? I'll tell you something, Steve. If you have GarageBand or some other recording device on your computer, why don't you watch The Searchers and send in a review? Seriously. Please do. Yeah. I, I know we mentioned this before. Um, Halloween is coming up. October is going to be our horror movie month. And we do want people to submit stuff um, for experiences that they've watched um, you know, some of their favorite movies, good yeah. or bad, especially yeah. bad would be, or funny, you know, anything. Bad, funny, yeah, I mean, we've got, we've already got a couple of people lined up that are yeah. doing some of these, and, and they're, 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 they're looking pretty good. We've got some, we've got a pretty sweet lineup of horror movies for the month of yeah. October. Yeah, uh, well, I guess that's coming up next week. What, uh, which one do you want to start with next week? I know um, we, Okay, we, so we talked about, we talked about this of doing, uh, for the four episodes in October, uh, covering, uh, some of the really uh, important ground in horror cinema. Um, we've got uh, the the classic horror movie. We've got the uh, the new classic horror movie, mm-hmm. a recent classic, or, or maybe not even classic as much as uh, a recent horror movie that that sparked a whole new wave. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the sort of under the radar, don't know a whole lot about it horror movie. So we've got that one too. And then the 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 fourth one I think is the sea change, like the the one that changed the face of everything. And so we're gonna start. I think I think it'd be best to start with the classic, okay? Which will be the Changeling, okay? Classic George C. Scott haunted house ghost story. Awesome. So it'll be a good one to start That's with. A good so. Start. So uh, uh, that'll be next week. What what? Uh, and then Rio Bravo was the the is that the Rio Bravo? Is that one the film? No, High Noon. High Noon. That's high it. Noon. I'm sorry. So let's do High Noon. Okay, High so Noon. So this next week, High Noon and, and uh, Changeling. the Changeling. Okay, we'll figure um, out a top five. The top five will be horror movie related, and, and I'll do some research on that. So it's something that's really good. Um, Great. God damn, we're at an hour and 41 minutes. <laughs> Devin's going to send us more hate mail. All right, we better get... He'll never hear that because he'll never get this far through an episode. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to our award-winning podcast. That's damn right. <laughs> I'm Adam Sherlock. I'm Adam Paltrow. Thanks for listening. See ya.